for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Good to be here. Thank you to the worship band for leading us into God's presence. Um, It's great to tell the Lord we love him, isn't it? Just to tell him that we love him and to uh, just to touch base with them as well, right at the beginning of the day, the beginning of our service, to just to enter into his presence and give him the love and give him the appreciation of our heart. Okay, well, we are looking at the word relentless this uh, month, the month of March, and uh, we're going to take some, some uh, scriptures in a minute from John chapter 4. But this morning, we're going to walk, look at the title, Relentless Walk with God. Uh, Relentless Walk with God. Uh, but let's look at John chapter 4, uh, first of all. John chapter 4, and uh, I want to speak into this uh, passage of scripture, which is well known, uh, most of you will know the story, so we're going to dip in and dip out of it just to get a flavor of uh, the Samaritan woman meeting her uh, Messiah without realizing who she was meeting or who she was had an appointment to go and see. John chapter 4, let's read from verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John... In brackets, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water and said to and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. Then the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And then we'll read verse 16 through 19. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, yeah, you have well said I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband in that you spoke truly. Jesus does tend to cut to the chase, doesn't he? Uh, The woman said to her, Yeah, verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) Sorry. I actually read the scriptures and and see myself there and and pick up the vibe of the conversation. Sometimes you just read scripture and we sort of, yeah, 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 bye. And we don't actually take it in. What's actually going on here? Imagine if he spoke to you like that and you just met him. Anyway, verse 27 And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things, (laughs) all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? 
Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat! But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you don't know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone else brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. But we're going to stop reading there and then go on to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, Jesus, because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And God will bless the reading of his word. We're going to look into that passage of scripture. But let me start off this morning by telling you about a guy called Tim Grower. Tim Grower was the coach to Michael Jordan, famous uh, superstar, athletic superstar in, uh, not athletics, but athletic in terms of being fit and <laughs> playing games and sports and everything else, Michael Jordan. And he was the coach to Michael Jordan. And he said, crave the result so intensely that the work is irrelevant in life. Crave the result so intensely that the work you do to get the result is irrelevant. Uh, the question in life is not what you can get, it's who you become. The question in life is not what you can get, it's who you become trying to get what you want. It's not what you're paid, but it's what you're becoming trying to get paid. If the result is important and valuable, then the work to get to get will almost certainly be relentless. You have to be relentless in your work to get the result that you want in life, whatever you're doing. So for these disciples of Jesus, it was for them, their work was doing the master's will and seeing where that would take them. And uh, maybe a surprise to you, but they did not have the New Testament to tell them what was going to happen. So this was all brand new. This was an empty sheet of paper and they're following this guru who's risen up and they've put their trust in this guy. And they're following him relentlessly around Judea. So I want to look at this story uh, this morning. And I want to look at it uh, from the direction of Jesus teaching the disciples leadership. And teaching the disciples how to walk with him. Because as Jesus was bringing them along, and as they were walking with Jesus, Jesus was continually challenging them. Uh, You see the way he challenged the lady. Well, that's the sort of input these disciples had for three years. Cutting to the chase, telling the truth. Come see a man that told me everything I did. Would you like somebody like that to meet you? Oh, your name is, I know you. Oh, you're not married. No, you've had five husbands. <laughs> oh, right. Could you be a prophet? <laughs> so I want to show you of this passage of Scripture six challenges that the disciples received and that you will receive when you relentlessly walk with God. Six challenges God will, ch- uh, God will give to you, challenge you with as you continually and relentlessly walk with him. 
Okay, and we're going to go through these quite quickly. Number one, he challenged them to be willing to walk away from apparent success. He challenged the disciples to walk away from apparent success. He challenged them to go from the miraculous into the mundane. And in life, in churches, and especially with leaders, we tend to walk to success rather than walk away from success. And there was rumors going round, and Jesus had heard the rumors, and the rumor was that Jesus was making more disciples than John the Baptist. That was the rumor. That was the story. This guy is getting more converts than you, John. This guy is baptizing more people than John the Baptist. That was the rumor. And Jesus had heard the rumor. He was being successful in his ministry. Numbers were up. Jesus was popular. The ministry is going well. Success has arrived. And comparisons started to be made. John the Baptist was being set against Jesus. Jesus was being set against John the Baptist. And Jesus loved the crowds. But he didn't see a crowd the way we see a crowd. We see more people as being successful. But success for Jesus wasn't a crowd. Success for Jesus was doing the Father's will. And sometimes there's a difference. Sometimes we can gather a crowd by sacrificing maybe our integrity, maybe our vision, whatever it is, we can gather a crowd. But Jesus wasn't like that. Success for Jesus wasn't the 5,000, the 3,000, the many hundreds, the 70 following, the disciples, the 12 or the three. That wasn't success. Success for Jesus Am I doing the Father's will? And if that meant walking away from success, then so be it. So on this occasion, that's exactly what he did. And if the disciples were going to relentlessly follow Jesus, they would have to walk away too. No matter how they felt about it. And there was a good reason to walk away, which we know later. In this story, Jesus was after one. Remember last time we were talking about the one? Jesus was after the one, the one woman in Samaria. So the crowds, well, you can wait because God always goes after the one. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And Jesus and the disciples, in default, came with him. They left the crowd and went looking for the, for the one. And if you're going to be relentless with Jesus, you're going to have to go after the one. Great news is, you're the one that he's after. You're the one that he came looking for. You're the one that he wants to bless. You're the one that he wants to speak into your life. 
No matter how the world views you, no matter how the Christian world views you, no matter what your reputation is, no matter what your story is, Jesus is coming looking for you. If we're going to go after the one, sometimes we have to go and leave the 99. Sometimes we have to leave a successful ministry. Sometimes we have to leave being fulfilled. Sometimes we have to leave our ministry. Sometimes we have to leave being occupied. Remember something in this story. Who was doing the baptizing? The disciples were doing the baptizing. They told us that in the story. Put it in brackets. Jesus himself wasn't baptizing, but the disciples were baptizing. So, think on this. The disciples are finally being used. They've got their ministry. There's crowds. They're, they're baptizing people. They're feeling fulfilled. And suddenly, Jesus says, come on, lads, we're on our way. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Things are going well here, Jesus. We're baptizing people. I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm, I found my ministry. I feel like God's on my case and we're working well together. No, Jesus says, let's leave. If you're going to be relentless with me, you have to be prepared to give up. Give up you being fulfilled. Give up success and come and follow me. Can your pride cope with it? disciples? Can your pride cope with being a somebody in one situation and a nobody in another situation? Because that's what happens in the story. The disciples were somebodies with the crowd, baptizing people, enjoying their ministry, and suddenly they're just following another guy up the road to meet a dodgy lady, as we'll look at later. Jesus could leave the crowd and Jesus could walk away from a supposed successful ministry, but could the disciples? And they did, to be fair to them. They were relentless. That was the first challenge. Can you do this, disciples? And they did. Second challenge. He challenged them to do it the hard way, not the easy way. This is something interesting here. They walked the journey. They, they walked it. When we were in Israel, we drove. But they walked it. There was no driving in a car with Jesus. There was no flying with Jesus. He just walked with them. This is the same guy that walked across the water. This is the same guy who could have said, okay, let's just do it this way. We're here. Here we are. We're at the well. He could have done that. But he walked with them. He challenged them to do it the hard way, not the easy way. I sometimes think we as Christians think the miraculous just happened every half hour with Jesus. And the disciples had an easy life because Jesus was doing miracles here, there, everywhere. But no, 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 no. They walked that journey. And part of our relentless walk with God will be Hard work. Sorry if that disappoints you. 
Sorry if you're looking for a miracle every five minutes. It ain't going to happen. You are going to have to apply yourself. You're going to have to walk with him. You're going to have to get tired. Don't think you're because you're the boss's daughter or the boss's son, you're going to get things easy. Some ways you'll get things harder. Don't think because you don't see the miraculous every five minutes that God doesn't love you. Jesus, I'm tired. This is a long journey. I'm weary. I'm weary too, Jesus would tell you. I'm tired too. Don't you love me, Jesus? Can't we just do this the easy way? No, we're going to do it the hard way. So our relentless walk will be tough. Tough for Jesus, tough for us. No shortcuts, no Marriott to tell to stay in and be pampered. No bus, no car, no plane, just a long, hard walk. And sometimes that's our Christian journey. It's a long, hard walk in the same direction. But the harder the journey, the greater the reward. Few travel that journey because we all like life easy. We do. We like life easy. We like to be pampered. We like to take shortcuts. Robert Frost in his famous poem, The Road Less Traveled, said this, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. Jesus put it another way, Enter by the narrow gate, For wide is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction. And there are many that go down that road and that pathway because narrow is the gate and difficult is the path which leads to life, life to the full, abundant life. Narrow is that gate and that path and there are few people who find that path. That's Jesus speaking in Matthew 7. Maybe we should stop looking for the easy path and start looking for the Hard path. Challenge number three. He challenged them to serve him rather than themselves. He challenged them to serve him rather than serve themselves. This is a test. Test for the disciples. They had finally got to the well. Jesus says, we're here. I'm going to sit here. And when you're going to keep walking, lads, you're going into the city. So there they had to walk out, walk on. Jesus is sat down. He's weary. Well, they would be weary. (laughs) But they had to walk on. Judas with his purse to buy. Just picture the scene. Judas with his purse to buy the, the groceries. John, who keeps telling every disciple, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Well, you just keep walking too, John. Simon, maybe he was swearing about the fact he's got to do another journey into the city. Thomas, doubting whether this is a good idea. I don't I think this is a bad idea. We should be sitting there with him. He's resting. We should be resting. God loves rest. Take your Sabbath. Take your time. You understand? This is what's going on. Think through the situation. Jesus is having a rest. He's weary. Well, they're weary too. They were doing the baptizing. Jesus was watching them baptizing. You understand? A relentless walk with God 
entails you walking on even though you're tired. Even though you feel life is unfair and you're mourning, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, it's not fair. Lord, it's been a long day. Lord, you still want me to go to church. Lord, you still want me to serve. Lord, you still want me to go and see that person. Lord, you want me to do the food bank. Lord, you want me to go to the drop-in. It's walking on. Even though other people are sitting down. Can we not just hang around with Jesus in your presence? Because there's fullness of joy there and we're weary and we're tired. No, no, you just keep walking. It's part of my plan that you're not here when a certain person is going to come and see me. You are not invited to this meeting. Walk on. And they're thinking, well, you've got an appointment with a woman. Why don't we just send her for the food? She's only a woman. Let her do the, the groceries. <laughs> Isn't that what they do? Remember the quote that we said at the beginning, crave the result so intensely that the work is irrelevant. What's the result that you want with your walk from God? Do you want to do his will? Then you'll know the work. Do you want to please him? Then you'll know the work. You want to be in his presence? You'll know the work that needs to be done to get in his presence. He challenged them to serve him rather than serve themselves. That was number three. Number four, he challenged them in their preconceived ideas of women. (laughs) He challenged them in their preconceived ideas of women. To the disciples, this was all very dodgy. This was a dodgy woman. Why? Because every woman was dodgy in this place. Samaria. Not only was it Samaria, it was a dodgy woman with a dodgy past and a dodgy present. See, in those days, a Jewish man wasn't even allowed to speak to his wife in public. Never mind a dodgy woman. Wasn't even allowed to speak to his wife in public. This was the rabbi saying, this is what they said. A man shall not be alone with a woman in an inn, not even with his sister or his daughter on account of what men may think. A man shall not talk with a woman in the street, not even with his wife, and especially not with another woman on account of what men may say. And along comes Jesus. This was, this was from a Jew to another Jew. This was, <laughs> don't even go there with regards to people from Samaria. So here comes Jesus and sends all these guys off to get the groceries. And now they come back and they see him talking to a woman. And they see him talking to a Samaritan woman. You see, they had forgotten one of Jesus, or the God's commandments, love thy neighbor as thyself. In fact, the whole Jewish people have forgotten that. The Samaritans were the Jewish neighbors. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. They hated them, despised them, looked down on them. Don't have preconceived ideas of people. They saw a woman as being irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant. 
But we perhaps don't see women in that way, but sometimes we can see other people in that way. So he challenged them not to have preconceived ideas of people or people groups because some of them might be your assignment. (laughs) That person you don't like, that person that you want to ignore, that person that you see them coming, you think, I'm going the other way, that might just be your appointment. Okay, number five, he challenged them by ignoring their offering. This is all in the story. He challenged them by ignoring their offering. The food arrives, and all Jesus could do was continue talking to someone they thought he had no right to talk to. Jesus, stop talking to her and start looking at us. Start coming to us. Look at us, Jesus. We have just walked however many miles for you. And now we walked on and went for the groceries, and now we're back. Look at us, Jesus. Don't look at her. Look at us. Look at us, Jesus, while you've been resting and passing the time with this whore, this dog. We've been away to get the food. Look at us, Jesus. At least enjoy the fruits of what we are bringing to you and presenting at your feet. And by the way, can you just say thank you? Because we're, we're tired and we're weary too. Look at us, Jesus. Because Jesus, remember, it's all about us. It's not about you. Sounds ridiculous, but that's what we think sometimes. Look at us, Jesus. This relentless walking with you is getting beyond a joke. Can you not show some gratitude for what we've done? Instead, you're ignoring us. You're ignoring this food that we're bringing. Just imagine the pity party disciples are having. Just think of how you want to be thanked when you do something for somebody. Anyone who delivers the food parcels will tell you, sometimes people just take the food parcels and shut the door. And your immediate reaction is, can you not just say thank you? Can you, not, can you not just like show some sort of warmth? Or you give something to somebody and you present them with something. Or you bring a gift to church. Or you, whatever you do, well, nobody thank me. This is how the disciples felt. Sometimes when I make a, a meal in the house... <laughs> And it happened, I think it was breakfast this morning, or breakfast yesterday. I, have you ever done this? You make the food, and your loved one is upstairs, and you make the, or the family's upstairs, or whoever, and you make the food, and it's ready, and you shout to them, food's ready, and you don't hear any pitter-patter of feet. You're just, <laughs> you're just ignored. Have you felt that? In, <laughs> <laughs> so it happens with Susan too. So. <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and like you've made the food, and now it's sitting there, and it's waiting to be eaten, and nobody's coming. Ever felt the frustration? That's how the disciples felt. That's exactly how they felt. We've gone all this journey to get this food, and now you're not eating the rotten food. That's how they felt. Now, they didn't, they didn't throw the food at Jesus. There's been, there's been some people who, the guy's home late from work or the lady's home late from work, 
and the food is now looking like a congealed mess in the oven and the food comes, this has never happened with us, but the food comes and you throw it at them. None of you will ever have done that or thought about doing that. I know that. I can tell by your faces. But you may be... (laughs) It's a challenge to see your hard work ignored. It is. When you're serving in the church and nobody sees what you did and nobody says thank you for the coffee and nobody says, oh, thank you for being there, it's a challenge to keep serving, to keep smiling and to keep loving. And Jesus' challenge, the fifth challenge to these disciples in this story was, how do you feel about me ignoring your offering? Because he was challenging their motives. He was challenging their motives. I have to be appreciated. And this meal is all about me and what I've done and what it's cost me to give it. Jesus says, Really? I didn't want the food that much because I've got other food. He's got other food. Where did he get this other food from? You understand? Now he's got other food. What are we doing walking to the shops getting food? He's got his own supply. Is this woman giving him food? What's going on with this woman? He was challenging their motives and he, they were beginning to challenge his motives. Number six. Last one. He challenged them to, be re- challenged them to relentlessly walk with him and not understand. That's a big challenge. He challenged them to relentlessly walk with him and not understand what's going on. And he still does that. We used to sing an old song when I was young, Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We sang it, but often we didn't mean it. We weren't happy trusting and obeying. And I can hear the disciples saying, are we being relentlessly stupid, relentlessly walking after him? Because things aren't working out too well here, lads. We walk and get this food, and now he's not eating it. He's got other food. He's talking something about harvest. Talking to dodgy women. I don't understand what's going on here. What is going on? Maybe you feel that in your life at the moment. What's going on, Jesus? You told me one thing, and now you, you, don't, now you don't want that one thing. But Jesus is challenging them. He's discipling them. He's training them. He's mentoring them, and they don't have a clue. They just think they're going for a walk with some rabbi. But that's what he's doing. He's challenging them. He's discipling them. He's training them. He's mentoring them. And that's what he's doing with you. In your situation, your woman at the well situation, in your story, this is a story of Jesus and his situation. But your life is a story too. Everyone here has got their story. So the disciples were being challenged to walk with him and not understand what's going on. And now, they look in the distance. And here's this woman, she's bringing men with her. And the disciples are thinking, hang on a minute. He's been talking to this woman, and now she's gone for support. And they're they're bringing this loads of guys, and they're on their way. I can see them coming. What's going on, Jesus? They're coming running towards us. 
Now they're coming for us, Jesus. Now you may think, well, you're reading into the story, but just imagine it. Jesus, why don't you just listen to what's going on? Look at the trouble you're causing here. Crowds are coming from Samaria. We don't mix with Samaritans. They know what we think of them. We're on their territory. And now they're coming for us. A woman with a bunch of men. Jesus is saying, it's all part of the challenge. It's all part of the discipling. It's all part of the training. It's all part of the mentoring. I have this situation under control like you thought you had the baptisms under control. I trusted you to baptize these people. And now you're not trusting me in this situation. Because it's all got a bit hairy. It's all got a bit difficult. It's all got a bit unpredictable. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to relentlessly walk with me, you're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through some difficult times. You're going to be harvesting, and then I'll call you out of the harvesting and come and sow over here, because that's what was happening here. I'm time to go into it, but there was going to be a mighty harvest in Samaria later on in the Word of God. So they went off to do some sowing. But we all like harvesting. We don't like sowing. I saw that when we were putting the offering around. Oh. Do you understand? We don't like the sowing, but we like the harvesting. So there was a sowing lesson to learn. There was a working lesson to learn. Walking with God no miracles, no shortcuts, no easy way. We're walking together. There was sowing, there was working, there was serving. Jesus is having that. <clears throat> Sit down, you keep working, lads. On you go. I'm not happy with this. I am not happy with this at all. The leader's doing nothing and we're doing it all. Sowing, working, serving, learning. Learning how Jesus sees people, how Jesus can read people, how Jesus can prophesy over people, how Jesus understands people, people we don't like, people we have nothing in common with, and he loves them. Doesn't he just love Christians? Doesn't, does he love other people too? Does he dislike English people? <laughs> Subconsciously, we think Jesus... Is white and middle class. We do. Just think of, think of the country he was in. Think of the skin shade. Think of the culture. He was a Jew. He wasn't American. He wasn't English. He wasn't even Scottish. <laughs> but he was a Jew. You understand? Sowing, working, serving. They were learning how Jesus sees people, how he perceives the potential in someone. Just as you want them to perceive the potential in you, he sees the potential in the person that you don't like or you don't agree with. The person you're competitive with. He saw the potential in John the Baptist. He wasn't competing with him. People will try and pitch you against somebody else. Oh, you do that. Oh, they do that. How well are you paid compared to what they're paid? 
What's the size of your house compared to their house? What's the size of your car compared to their car? And people will always do that with you. The big wind-up. And whatever you do will never be enough. Will never be enough. What grade are you on? Oh, yeah, well, I started there, but I moved on from there. <laughs> you understand? There's always the competitive thing. And we need to learn how to die to my wants and my needs and realize life is not about me, it's about him. And the way you get real life and abundant life and life to the full, women of Samaria, disciples, people in the Freedom Center, is to leave you to one side and follow and serve him. And the byproduct of doing that is to get life to the full. It doesn't come from you seeking life to the full. It comes from you giving life to the full to somebody else and God will fill you like a pipeline. As you serve, he'll fill you. As you give, he'll give to you. And it goes round and round and round. We're learning to simply trust and obey. Trust and obey. Whatever your vision is, whatever your goal is. In fact, I would say, if people don't laugh at your goal, if people misunderstand, don't misunderstand your goal and your vision, then you haven't got much of a goal and you haven't got much of a vision. The disciples were always questioning Jesus. Why are you doing this? You can't be doing that. This is ridiculous. We can't go and buy food for the few thousand people. What do you you mean sit them down? We've got two loaves and a few fish. uh, This is ridiculous. What sort of vision is this? How are we going to feed all them? We don't have enough money. Sit them down. We're going to feed them. (sighs) Thomas is saying, I doubt this very much. (laughs) (laughs) Trust and obey. So if people are laughing at you, if people are jealous with you. If people are criticizing you, perhaps you've got it just about right. (laughs) Perhaps you're on your goal and on your vision. And part of your relentless walk with God will be people laughing at you. They will. People criticizing you. People saying, you're praying too much. You're reading too much. You're doing too much. Whatever that is, But you just need to simply trust and obey. And if you do, you'll walk into your destiny. Avoid the detours. Avoid the distractions. Avoid the discouragement. Be determined and you'll reach your destiny. All the Ds. Avoid the detours. Avoid the distractions. Avoid the discouragement. Be determined and you'll reach your destiny. So today, we leave here. We go into there, that world. And like the disciples, we go from the miraculous to the mundane. We go from Sunday to Monday. We go from the anointing to what our assignment is. We go from baptizing, and we go on a long, hard walk through the week with Jesus. You understand? And there'll be situations and problems and things that happen and appointments. You think, what, what am I doing? I'm working too hard. He's telling me to do this and I haven't got the time. And, 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 
And God says, no, you're on a journey. You're on a relentless walk with me. And if we do that, if we do that, we put a smile on the master's face. I can think of no better uh, vision and goal but to put a smile on God's face. That my life might just put a smile on his face. And he sees your stupidity, but he sees your faith. And he sees you relentlessly seeking to walk with him. And that puts a smile on his face. And I can think of no greater desire in my heart, really, but to put a smile on his face. Just to please him. Just to please him. I hope that's your desire too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this story. I thank you, Lord, that you were willing to go for the woman at the well. Thank you that you were willing to walk away from the crowd and the success, from beating the opposition, from getting greater numbers than John the Baptist. You were willing to walk away and go on a long, hard walk, not to enjoy the fruits of success, not to enjoy everybody saying, oh, you're wonderful, you're doing well, but to go on a long, hard walk and take those disciples who didn't have a clue what you were doing with you, and you were willing to go for the one. A mixed-up, crazy lady. Plenty of mistakes. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. I love how you speak direct, Lord. I love how you cut to the chase. Speak into our lives like that, Lord. Give us the encouragement. Give us the abundant life. Give us the living water that you were given to that lady that we might go and say to people that we know, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Thank you, Lord, that you've watched everything that we've ever done, good and bad. You don't miss a thing. Thank you for your love for us. Now, Lord, as we go into another week, help us to be relentless in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.